Lisa, could we, Rick, could we sing that at the end of the service? Not, not right now, but at the end of the service when we come back, okay? Just hard to get enough of that one, you know. I, you may have your own verse of through it all. Do I have a witness for that, you know? I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. But isn't it something how with each new challenge, it can seem like we've got to learn that all over again? You know, we've got this backlog of things that he's done, and we can rehearse those times, and we can tell those stories, and we can get tears in our eyes just thanking the Lord for what he did then, and then we wake up the next day, and here comes a fresh challenge, and it's like we've got to start all over. I think that's what Paul meant when he said, in my flesh dwells no good thing. You know, my flesh is never going to want to believe. My flesh is never really going to have a heart that wants to love the Lord supremely and more. My flesh is always going to want to have it figured out. But somewhere down inside, there is the life of the Spirit of Jesus alive in us. And that's the part of us that says, yes, Lord, I'll trust you one more time. Yes, Lord, I love you, and I want your, you to be honored with my life. So, you know, we are a work in progress. Do I have a witness on that? You know, yes, we, yes, we are. Yes, we are a work in progress. Is there a word from the Lord? Is there a word from the Lord? Spent time this week. Asking the Lord that question, Jesus, what do you want to say to your sheep? As we have come toward the end of a process that has been difficult to say the least, challenging to say the least, God's people mixed in with folks who don't necessarily know the Lord. We live in a country we love, we we're grateful for what he's given us in this place, but it seems as if there has been a season of turmoil and unsettledness. It, it's an honest question. Is there a word from the Lord? Lord, do you want to say something to your people, to your sheep? And I believe there is a word from the Lord. Not that it's a complete word, not that every word that I will use to express it is exactly the way the Lord would say it. But there is a strong impression in my heart that there are four things that the Lord would have us to think on and consider and open our hearts to, and I would pray even receive this morning. But who is this Lord? Who is this Lord who would have a word for his people? I would suggest to you that, first of all, this Lord is the Lord Jesus Christ who was raised from the dead and seated in the heavenly places at the right hand of God the Father, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, far above every name that is named, both in this age and in the one to come. And this Lord who would have a word for his people is the one who has had all things put in subjection underneath his feet. And he has been given his head over all things to the church. This Lord, this Lord Jesus Christ is the one who emptied himself and took the form of a bondservant and being found in the likeness of men. 
He is the one who, being found in appearance as a man, humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. But he is the one whom God has highly exalted and bestowed upon him the name which is above every name. This Lord is the one who's named Jesus, and at that name every knee should bow. Of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and he is the one that at that name Jesus, every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This Lord who would have a word with his church and for his church this morning is the one who delivered us from the authority of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. This Lord Jesus Christ who would speak to us today, who would give a word to us today, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created by this Lord, and all things are subject to this Lord. This Lord who would have a word with us today is the one who says he holds in his hand the key of David. That when he opens something, nobody can shut it. When he shuts it, nobody can open. And he says as he looks down upon his people, I know your deeds. I see your heart. I know that you have a little power, but you've kept my word and you've not denied my name. Therefore, I have set before you an open door which no man can close. It is this Lord, raised from the dead, seated at the right hand of the Father, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, all things have been placed in subjection underneath his feet. He's the image of the invisible God. He's the one who's been given the name before whom every created being and entity will one day bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So what do you, Lord Jesus Christ, have to say to your church? I believe the first thing that he would say to us Today is this. I've got it. Trust me. I've got it. Trust me. Whatever's going on in this nation, whatever's going on in your life, I believe the Lord would say to us today, would say to you, I've got it. Trust me. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 6, Jehoshaphat the king is pouring his heart out unto the Lord, asking for deliverance from the army that was coming against him and his people. And as he gets into the prayer, he makes this statement about the Lord, the God in whom he is petitioning help. Power and might are in your hand so that no one can stand against you. Power and might are in your hand so that no one can stand against you. Power would speak of the great reservoir of strength within the being of our God. Might would speak of the expressions of that power, tangibly, measurably, observably, intervening, fighting for, rescuing, providing power and might are in your hand 
so that no one can stand against you. It is that God, it is that Lord who says, I've got it. Trust me. Power and might are in his hand, but there's some other things that are in his hand too. One of them is this truth. Would you find the book of the Gospel of John, John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Verse 27 of John chapter 10 records the words of Jesus in this way. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Brothers and sisters, one of the privileges that you have as a child of God, as a child of the King, is that you have the ability to hear the voice of Jesus to your spirit. I know some folks just immediately blow that off and, and, and write that off as if that's something not meant for them. Are you a Jesus sheep? Have you trusted Christ? And are you trusting Christ as your Savior and Lord? Then you're a Jesus sheep. And if you're a Jesus sheep, the shepherd has given you the ability to recognize his voice and to hear his voice. Why would he want that? Why is that so important? Because Jesus goes on to say, my sheep follow me. They follow me because they can hear my voice. They can understand my voice. I think it's easy for us to, to appreciate. Not everything that the Lord wants to give us direction in is written in the Bible. San Antonio isn't mentioned in the Bible. I hadn't found it yet. If you have, would you please send me a text? Where you would work, where you would live, who you would marry, all of those kinds of things, they're not necessarily printed in the Bible. And it may not be that somebody who knows you and knows the Lord is necessarily going to be able to tell you, thou shalt marry X on this day, and thou shalt have this many X kids in this city. That isn't the way that the Lord necessarily is going to speak. But what if his heart is to speak directly to you. You don't need a priest because the scripture says everyone who has received Jesus as Savior and Lord, every last one is a member of the priesthood. We don't need a priest. We are priests. And we have the high priest and his name, his name is Jesus. And the Lord's heart is, the Lord's desire is, to speak to a businessman about his business when there's a choice that needs to be made. Speak to a parent about a child when you're trying to figure out what in the world is going on there. As we've said, hard heads give birth to hard heads, don't they? And we need help in navigating. This is such an encouraging and refreshing word. My sheep. Are you a Jesus sheep? If the answer is yes, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. They do what I give them instruction to do. Just lots of hope in that, lots of joy in that. What do you need an answer to today? What do you need a sense of direction for today? You can ask your shepherd, and the shepherd will speak to his sheep in ways that he knows you'll be able to get. He doesn't always do it necessarily the same way with every one of us, but the Scripture, he'll use the Word of God. He'll use the written portions of the Scripture to speak to us, but there are other ways he does that as well. So let that in today. Whatever's going on in your life, if you're a Jesus sheep, 
then your shepherd wants to speak to you. And when he speaks to you, you've got the equipment to hear it. You'll recognize his voice and you receive receivers. Great big ears and little bitty mouth as a Jesus sheep. Lord, speak to me. Let me hear. But then he goes on to say, verse 28, and I give eternal life to them and they shall never perish. And no one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Power and might are in the hand of the Lord. And so are you. Power and might are in thy hand, O Lord, so that no one can stand against you. But I have my hand around my sheep. And around my hand is the Father's hand. It's a double whammy grip. Nobody can take you out of Jesus' hand, and nobody can take you out of Jesus and the Father's hand. So when the Lord says to you, I've got this, trust me, he's saying, you're not going anywhere that I don't want you to go. The devil can't come and snatch you because I'm holding you. And my father is holding my hand. David would go on to say in Psalm 31 verse 15, my times are in your hand, O Lord. Meaning, the events of my life, the circumstances of my life are in your hand, O Lord. It makes perfect sense that if he's holding us, then the things that affect us, he's holding as well. David would say, Because that is true. I can trust the Lord to fight for me. I can trust the Lord to provide for me. I can trust the Lord to guide me. My times are in your hands. The circumstances, the events of my life are in your hands. Yes, the devil plays. Yes, we can do things that are foolish, fraught with mistakes. But when it is all said and done... The events, the circumstances that affect you, that are a part of you and me, and most of all, we ourselves, the totality of who we are in the hand of the Lord God. And I'm telling you, it's not a weak, limp hand. It's a strong hand. And he has his grip around your life, around your heart, because he loves you. Not because he's so mad at you that he wants to take you and dash you to the ground. But it's because he loves you. It's because you matter to him. It's because he wants you. It's because he picked you out that he holds you. I believe the Lord would say to us, I've got this. Though you can't understand it. Though there are things going on that you can't solve, can't figure out. Look toward the future and there can be uncertain. But you ought to know I've got this. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. I want you to find another verse with me, another passage. This is Psalm 37. Psalm 37, and this one of the last psalms, if not the last one, that King David wrote. He references here that he's an old man looking back across his life. He says in verse 7, Psalm 37, verse 7, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way. Because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. 
cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evildoing. For evildoers will be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord, they will inherit the land. The ones who fret end up doing evil, and the ones doing evil are cut off from all that they could inherit in the land, but because of their choices, it's forfeited. But those who wait for the Lord to do what only the Lord can do, trusting in Him, resting in Him, they are the ones who will be brought into their inheritance. Now, what are you talking about, Pastor? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because here's what I'm talking about. If we're not careful with all the means of information, video, audio, printed, in our day, we even as Christians, We even as ones who are supposed to believe and be confident and rest in, God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. We can become so glutted with information, not really know whether what we're hearing is the truth or not, but because it comes with such Rapids in such rapid succession and and with such a convincing sound to it, we can find ourselves fretting, 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 stirred up, worried, stewing day and night. To which right into our hearts this morning, right into our fretting, worried, scared, troubled even angry hearts in some cases, the Lord would say to you, would say to me, I've got this. Trust me. I've got this. Trust me. If he has power and might in his hand, if he has you in his hand, And he is here with us. We didn't live 200 years ago or 1,500 years ago. We're alive today. And the Lord to us, to each one of us is saying, in the middle of all that has happened in recent months in our nation, the Lord is saying, I have the power and the might to cause all things, all things, What part of all things, brother or sister, do we not accept? It will cause all things to work together for good to those who love God. Do you love God? Do you love God? Do you love God? Will we say in our spirits, I love God? Is there a sense that we've been called according to his purpose? He's called us unto himself. He has the power to cause all things to work together for good. The word good means useful, practical, profitable, excellent, beautiful. It's not saying God causes all things, but it's saying that God call, he has the power to force, to make all things work together for good. We sang that song, didn't we? I've seen, I've been climbed mountains, I've been down into valleys. I've known joys and I've known sorrows. But here's what I've learned. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. I've learned that I can found, have found that there is power and there is release and there is effect and there is freedom when I trust in his word. Now that's what we're supposed to bring into today from yesterday, brothers and sisters, in Jesus. That we look at what we're in the middle of right now and we look at it through the lens of faith. 
that as the Lord has done before to cause those things to work together for good, so he will somehow, some way, cause these things to work together for good to those who love him and to those who are called according to his purpose. Folks, I'm praying that'll, that, that, will, that will be spoken with the sense of the Holy Spirit's authority to your soul and to your spirit. There, there, wasn't, there wasn't an asterisk out by the side of Romans 8, 28, and down at the footnote of that page in Paul's letter, it, that is for everything except 2021 and the recent election. All things includes everything except what we're going to know. No, I must say to you that we're to take that as a call to faith. Where it can be a challenge when some things that we can't see how it would work together for good, that we cry out, Lord, help me to get my eyes off of how you're going to do it and get my eyes off of when you might do it and through whom you might do it and help me to get my eyes back on you, back on you, that our faith is in the one who is able to cause. He doesn't have to tell us how or when or through whom. But that place of faith, that place of joy, that place of steadiness, is that conviction in our hearts, my God will cause all things to work together for good in my life, in our lives, because he's put love for him in my heart. Used to not love him, used to not love his people, used to not honor his word, used to not care. But he called me out of darkness and he called me into his marvelous light. And as a result of what he's done, I love him. And I believe that he has a calling on my life. Therefore, therefore, I can be solid, I can be certain, I can be steady that he will cause even this, whatever it would be that you name, to work together for good in my life and for his glory. I believe, folks, he wants us to hear that. I've got this. Trust me. Quit stewing. Quit fretting. Trust me. But Lord, we got to have help doing that. Then ask me for the help. Ask me to pour out my spirit freshly upon you to enable your faith, to enable your rest, to enable those things described as the fruit of the spirit, to possess your heart, mark your life in this season, his love, his joy, his peace, his patience, his kindness, his goodness, his gentleness, his self-control, Galatians 5.20. He has the power, he has the desire for those emotions to mark our lives, not after the problem is solved, we don't need a miracle then, but where we can need supernatural intervention is right now when nothing has changed. When we're still in the middle of the events, not being completed to the point of our satisfaction, but even in that place for there to be a rest. I don't know when you're going to do it, Lord, and I don't know how you're going to do it, but here's what I'm going forward with, that you will cause this to work together for what is good in your sight, for my life, and we would even expand that to be for our entire country because we pray from our hearts for our country. Okay, so do you have that first one down? I believe the Lord would say to his people, I've got this. Trust me. Second, I will give you rest. Lay it down. I will give you rest. Lay it down. This is Matthew 11. Jesus is speaking. Come to me, all who are weary 
and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Come to me. Not after you've laid down your burdens. Not after you've gotten yourself free from the weights and the hassles. You come to me pulling that wagon. You come to me with that backpack on you that you haven't been able to get yourself free from. You come to me, all who are weary. That word means worn out. Worn, we'd say in, in Mississippi, worn, slap out. Uh, that, that, that's just an exponential amount of being woe out. Come to me, all who are weary having worked to exhaustion, working to the end of your strength. Your tank is on empty because of the things that have relentlessly pulled at and exhausted your strength. It's about the things going on right now. People speak, you use the other word, heavy laden. That, that speaks of something that may have happened 20 years ago or five months ago or 50 years ago. But the effect of what happened, of the hurt then, the burden then, the shame from that, the effect of words, whatever it would be, that season of your life that has resulted in you carrying from that point a heavy load, a crushing weight that can cause you not to Surge, not, not to believe for more, because every time you want to attempt something, this thing comes back up of the memory. You're no good. You're a failure. Or I did fail. I did make a bad choice. I, he says, you come to me if you're worn out, and you come to me if you're carrying a burden from the past, and I will give you rest. Now, what does he mean? The word for rest is the word that can also be translated permission. Permission. You come to me with all that's worn you out, with all that has broken your heart and affected the way you can look at yourself or look at the future because of what happened back then. You come to me with those things and I will give you permission. What's he mean? I give you permission to lay those things down at my feet. I give you permission to unload them onto me. I give you permission. I give you permission to bring what has broken you and give it to me. give you permission. Folks, it's, it's a word that speaks of a deep rest for a deep tired. This is the kind of tired that you can't take a sleeping pill and sleep it off between dark and daylight. This is the kind of this is the kind of weariness and exhaustion that you can't even change and be gone for two weeks and it leaves you. This is the kind of weariness, this is the kind of weight that marks you, that has defined you, that in so many ways has limited us. Jesus is saying, come to me. He doesn't say, go to a religious setting, go to church, or go to some other person. He just says, you come to me. You come to me, and I give you permission to give to me everything that's wearing you out, everything that has broken you and has marked you. What does it mean? 
it doesn't mean that we, we live life with no responsibilities, that all of a sudden we cease to be parents, or we cease to be employees, or we cease to have bills to pay. What he's saying is, these things that you have thought were only your burden, were only something that you had to worry with and figure out. I want you to know my love for you. Your times are in my hand. Give to me everything that marks your times. And you watch me begin to release inside you a rest. I'm not alone. I am not helpless. I am not determined and doomed to live this way with these kinds of burdens the rest of my life. You come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I just feel like there's some, some of us that have spent so much time before a TV or a computer screen, so much time reading, listening, trying to figure out what's going to happen next in the country, what's going to happen next with this court or that individual. And it's worn you out. It's worn you out. I believe the Lord is saying, I don't want, I don't want my church marked by worn out, negative, weary, dreary people. You come to me with the things that you're burdened about, the things you hadn't figured out for the nation or for your family or whatever, whoever it might be. And I will show you, you bring that to me. You come to me and you come to me just as you are. You don't have to take a bath. You don't have to change vocabulary. You come just as you are, burdens and all. And I give you permission to unload it. To me. And here's what you'll feel. Here's what you'll find. Rest. Rest. Here's another piece of that. Sometimes we get to play in God. And you know what? We make a lousy God. There's only one of those that has the power and the ability to be God. Somehow we get this distorted, inflated view of our importance. <laughs> and we pick up loads, we pick up burdens, we pick up weights that were never intended for us to carry. And they have a way of just wearing us out. There were religious weights, and that, that would be so much of what Jesus would speak. I mean, fuss at the, at, at, at the scribes and Pharisees for putting so much burden upon the people, saying, you give them rules, and you don't even keep those same rules yourself. His heart is not about burdening people down. His heart is about setting captives free. And so he invites us. To take inventory, am I worried about something? Am I trying to fix the United States of America? Am, am, am I trying to, to completely correct my whole family line? Do I feel the weight of that responsibility? Folks, if, you're, if, 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 that's what, if we're taking on something that God never intended us to take on, it will wear us out. If it's something that God has given us to do, then he gives us the strength to keep on going. Not just to endure, but there'll be joy and there'll be peace. Even if six out of ten people don't agree with you. There's still that sense of I'm just do, I'm doing what I'm doing because I'm participating with the Lord in his plan. But I don't have the whole weight of the outcome on my shoulders. Some folks are just... <laughs> feel like I just, I just have, Pastor, I just have the gift of worrying. I just, have, I just have the gift of carrying the weight of the world on my shoulder. The gift of worry. You know, you know who didn't give that to you? Jesus. 
the Holy Spirit. That is not a Holy Spirit gift. Come to me all who are weary, worn out, work to exhaustion, or still having to deal with what was done, said about me to me from years past. And it, it's this weight, this heavy laden. It's as real today as when it happened then. He says, you come to me and I'll give you a deep rest for your deep tired. I believe he's saying that to us secondly today. I've got this, trust me. I will give you rest. Lay it down. Third, I will refresh you. I will refresh you. Let me. I will refresh you. But all this has got to get fixed, Lord. All of this has to happen first before I can really, I can really be at peace. I can really relax. Then you don't even need the Holy Spirit if that's the attitude. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to exalt the heart and life of Jesus, his personality, his temperament, in your heart and in my heart, regardless of what hasn't gotten fixed or straightened out or solved. We don't need anything supernatural if all we're waiting for is the end result to be as we want it to be. But what if there was a better way to live? Jesus said to people, he looked out upon the throng in John chapter 7, on the last day, the great day of the feast, it was said, the high and holy day of this particular feast. And it said that Jesus stood up and cried out, now, who is this? Who is Jesus? He is the invisible God in human form. He's the creator of the ends of the earth and the universe in a human form. And this was not something that he just would speak in a private conversation to Nicodemus or, or to the 12 around a campfire under a tree. In the temple, in the middle of throngs of people, John 7 records, he stood up and he cried out, if anybody is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. For out of his, out of that person's innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. He was shouting that to people who had religion up to their noses, who could quote scripture, sing psalms, who were bringing tithes and offerings more than likely. But he looked out across that mass of religiously attuned people and he looked at their hearts and he said, you're still thirsty. You're thirsty for something that the ritual of tradition cannot satisfy. But I know how to satisfy the thirst of your soul. You come to me thirsty, not come to me. It's like this other. You come to me burdened, not after you've gotten rid of the burden. Here he's saying, you come to me with your thirst. You come to me thirst, thirsty. You come to me with your longings. You come to me with the aches of your heart. You come to me with the crying out. And what I will do is, I will cause there to rise up within you rivers of living water. John would interpret that. This he spoke of the Holy Spirit who had not yet been given because Jesus had not been yet been glorified. But folks, Jesus was crucified Buried, raised from the dead, he's now been glorified, and he has poured out his spirit upon his people. 
And he pours out upon those who are thirsty. And he pours out his spirit in power to refresh those whose hearts are realizing, i got to have something more than a church building. i got to have something more than a discipleship manual. It's drying up on me. I've got to have something beyond the, this is how you do it, and the formulas. Folks, I hate this is going to sound a little bit out there, but you can tell when God's getting ready to do something fresh in your spirit, when the go-to places start to dry up, start to get hollow. Oswald Chambers, my utmost for his highest, that great young follower of Jesus whose life has marked, has impacted so many of us over the years reading that little devotional book and others. He said, there's a time, there can come a time in a believer's life when even the ritual of your quiet time, the set moment of a day, the set pattern of reading the scripture can dry up. I wonder if some woman wanted to just take a great big 40-pound purse and just throw it at the preacher when he said that. But what he meant was for some deacon to come down and unplug the microphone. But what he meant was Jesus wants you. Jesus longs for a relationship with you. Jesus wants wants you to know his presence, wants you to feel his love. This is information. This is powerful, wonderful, liberating information. But what we also need, along with the information, is the impartation. You can read all the verses on peace. You can memorize all the verses and go through all the chapters and verses on the love of God and still not feel any of it. That's the role of these rivers of living water. You realize Jesus didn't have New Testaments to pass out when he said that? He had no follow-up material to pass out when he said, you come to me, if you're thirsty, you come to me. And I'll cause there to be rivers. It would be 1,500 years before there were printed copies of the Scripture. But Jesus addressed the thirsty. He directed the thirsty. Come to me. I'm just saying to the whoever may be listening out there, church may have dried up for you. All of the academics of of scriptural study and so forth may have just seemed to still leave you short. But what if the Lord's plan, what if the Lord's heart is, I want you. You, 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 You come to me, you find me in my word, but you look up from my word. You look up from my word and you look to me. Does that make any sense at all? You read everything you can about me in this book. But I want you to know I am more than information. I am more than a historical figure. I am more than a footnote in some biblical exposition. I am Jesus. I am Jesus. And I came out of heaven to rescue you. And I want you to know the joy of a relationship, of fellowship, of closeness with me. I want you to hear my voice so that you can follow me. I'm not minimizing the printed. I'm just trying to encourage you to the power. You say, well, I I had never experienced that. Well, have you ever asked for it? Have you ever asked for the Spirit of the Lord to fill you? You stop at the end of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you look at where those ones were. They had heard the words of Jesus for three years. They had seen what he did. They had followed him. 
But when he died, was taken from them. They were paralyzed in fear, understandably so. But then the promise of the Father, which Jesus spoke of. The promise that John spoke of. He, when he comes, speaking of Jesus, will baptize you with his spirit and with fire. And then Jesus spoke to the same group. You will receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit, my spirit, will come upon you. And you shall receive power. The difference in those believers in Jesus between the end of the Gospels and the book of Acts was astronomical. It was as if they became different people. Same shoe size, same eye color, same height, same color hair. But somebody invaded the depth of who they were. They had the information. They just didn't have the impartation yet. But remember what Jesus said. Luke eleven thirteen. 13, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who are asking him? It's not like it's one big crisis, once for all kind of endowment with power. It can be every day. It could be every hour in the day. It could be every time a need presents itself that is bigger than we are. Lord, fill me. Lord, help me. Instead of staring at our own navel and trying to figure out where we're going to get the strength to do what we know we're supposed to do. Stop looking at your navel. <laughs> did I just say that? I think I did just say that. It's the wrong place to look. It's the wrong place to look to these hands, to these feet, to this brain, to this, this scripture that's been packed into our brains. That's the wrong place to look. Look to heaven. Look to heaven, Lord, I need you. I need your spirit. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father give his spirit and keep giving and keep giving and keep giving his spirit to those who are asking him, present active indicative, ask and ask and keep asking and keep asking and keep asking. That way you can end up living a life of power instead of living a life of up and down and up and down and up and down. The needs, the impossibilities drive you to the place of power, which is, Lord, I can't do this. Give me what you know I need. He's saying, I will refresh you. I will refresh you. Let me. Romans 15, 13, another way he has of refreshing us, hope Hope can dissipate. Hope can dissolve. Hope can, can just seem as if it is only an imagination. Now may the God of hope fill you up with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Does hope have the ability to refresh? Absolutely. Paul is praying, here's, here's how it happens, here's, here's, here's how it goes on, here is how it flows. He's praying, he's praying for the Roman Christians. Now, may the God of hope fill you up with all joy and peace in believing. He's not giving them a formula on how to get God to jump through a hoop or how to make God perform, or how to fix things, or how to run the devil off. He's just saying, I'm praying that the God of hope will fill you up with all joy and all peace in believing that you may abound, that you may exude, that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. What would it be if at this season in the life of our nation there was just a bunch of Christians roaming around, followers of Jesus, roaming around the streets and in and out of H-E-B and, and wherever you would go. And here's what's erupting out of you. Not 
Oh, 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 oh. But somehow your eyes are up. Somehow your, your countenance is bright. And somehow because there's been something to happen on the inside of you without anything changing, the God of hope has caused you to overflow with a confident expectation, a wish that has with it a confident expectation that what he has put in your heart, he's going to do. You don't have to know Jesus to be a sourpuss. You, you, you don't have to have any operation of the Spirit to walk around with a cloud over your head. The change, the difference is when the same things that distressed you and bothered you before are still there, but he's doing something inside. Folks, we got to understand that some of the reason the Lord lets those valleys get deep and those mountains get steep and, and, the, and, the, and all we sang about in that song, some of the reason the Lord will do those things is because he wants us to know him in this way. I'm going to show you about my power. I'm going to show you about how close I will be to you when things aren't yet fixed. You ask me to fill you. You listen for my voice. And before anything changes, I will show you the triumph of my presence. May we ache for that, long for that, pray in that way. The fourth word I believe to us is just to read the verse, encourage you to maybe spend some time with it. The Lord says, I've got this. I've got this. Trust me. I'll give you rest. Lay it down. I will refresh you. Let me. And then I will carry you. Hold still. I will carry you. Hold still. Have you ever tried to pick up a four, five, or six-year-old or older child to carry them away from danger, to carry them over something they couldn't get over? Whatever the reason would be, but you're trying to carry them and they are kicking, and they are flailing, and they are squirming, and you're thinking to yourself, I'm trying to help you, son. This is for your good. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm just trying to protect. I'm trying whatever it will be. But I mean, there's and if you're not careful, you're liable to get a shot to the jaw, a kick in the shin. What if that's us sometimes? What if the Lord would say, I will carry you. Hold still. <laughs> Hold still. Here's the, here's the verse. This is Isaiah 46. Verse 3. We'll finish with this. Isaiah 46, verse 3, the last part of it. You who have been born by me from birth, you who have been carried by me from birth, and have been carried from the womb, even to your old age, I shall be the same. And even to your graying years, I shall bear you, I shall carry you. I have done it, and I shall carry you, and I shall bear you, and I shall deliver you. What if there was a time in your life where the Lord, in effect, is saying, you can't do this. You don't have the power. You don't have the understanding. 
I will carry you. I, I remember some years ago, a dear couple, the husband desperately diagnosed with terminal cancer. And the wife was doing everything she knew to do, and then some, to try to take care of her husband, who, by the way, ended up being healed, is alive today, but he was given very little chance of making it, and the, and the, and the dear sister the wife was doing everything she knew to do. The Lord seemed to bring this verse up in my heart to speak this word to her. Jesus wants to carry you. You're not to worry about what you're supposed to do. Just let him carry you. Just let him carry you. She continued with levels of responsibility. But it, it was beyond the point of the physical dimension. It was, it was in that emotional, that spiritual part of carrying that load for her husband. I carried you all the way to here. I'm good at carrying you. I see stuff ahead. I've rescued, I've carried you before even to your graying years. Good news for us seniors. Even to your graying years, I will carry you. I believe the Lord is saying to us who need to hear this, I'll carry you. Your responsibility is not to save the nation or to right all wrongs or change everything that you would see as a mess. Those are things only I can do. My name is God, yours is not. I will carry you. I will carry you. A number of years ago, Dear sister in Jesus, who struggled physically with some disabilities, wrote this song. If you'll listen to these words, He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. To added afflictions, he addeth his mercy to multiplied trials, his multiplied peace. When we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed ere the day is half done, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving is only begun. Fear not that thy need shall exceed his provision. Our God ever yearns his resources to share. Lean hard on the arm everlasting availing. The Father both thee and thy load will upbear. His love has no limits. His grace has no measure. His power, no boundary known unto men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. Lord, we open our hearts to what you know we need, and that which only you have the supply for in our hearts. Grant that we may hear your word.
to our spirits. We pray that hope would rise afresh, that courage would begin to flourish, that the joy of the Lord, the one in whose hand is all power and might, that the joy of the Lord would mark our steps and our days. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. If you're listening today and there's something that's just going off in your heart, I need that. I want to know the Lord like you're talking about. It's a simple prayer. But only you can pray it. Only you can speak it to Him. Jesus, the best I can, I open my heart up to you. And I invite you. I invite you to come into my heart. It's not about jumping through a hoop. It's not about being baptized somewhere. It's not about even having a marked up Bible. It, it, it is about your heart saying, Jesus, if you're really there, I ask you to help me to know you. And the best I can, I open my heart up and invite you in. You'll know. You'll know. You'll know. Because there will come a peace. There will come a freedom. There will come a joy. There will come a sense of a future and a hope. And that's Jesus. For those of you listening who have needs that we could pray with you about, Pastor Walker at alamocity.org, just, just a simple email description of how we can be praying for you. A wonderful group of godly intercessors take seriously the many that have come in and continue to come in so that we can pray with you. Let us hear from you. Let us hear from you. Let us pray with you. Thank you for being a part of our family today there is a word from the Lord and I believe in part his heart is for us to know these things these four things we talked about today I really do I believe Lisa Rick you guys Josh